Hello fellow nerds and nerd oils, it's AJ here, and welcome back to another episode of the Adventurers Anonymous podcast, the home of improvised fantasy fucknuggetry. Join us week by week as a rotating cast of geeks and geekettes sip cocktails, play Dungeons and Dragons, and do their very best to ruin any semblance of storyline that I've lovingly crafted for them. This week's episode finds the adventuring party balls deep in courtroom trial. At this point, it is worth noting that I am many things. Ruggedly handsome, independently wealthy, and currently have no outstanding fines on my library card. However, I do have to admit one thing to you. I know literally fuck all about the state of the legal system and a story. So, if at any point in this week's episode you uncover a glaringly obvious legal plot hole, why not keep it to yourself? The last thing I want is for one of you lovely listeners to rock up on my door at 2am, covered in blood and fecal matter, asking me to represent you. That is not going to happen. Sorry. Stop the pod! We've got a website! The prophecies were true. So once you've finished here, why not boot up your old laptop, close down all your naughty tabs, and give us a visit at adventurers-anonymous.com. You can find all sorts there, including an archive of all the episodes, artwork, and a list of lovely reviews people have left us. Like the one from Bronte in Australia, who said, I genuinely haven't seen this many bellends in one place since the last time I went to the Cypress Cove Nudist Resort. Wow. Thanks, Bronte. That's real kind of you. I appreciate that. So, if you have something nice to say to us, why not head over to adventurers-anonymous.com? But hell, you didn't come here to listen to me blabber on, did you? So without further ado, go grab yourself a drink, pull your chair closer to the fire, and come join us for this week's episode of the Adventurers Anonymous Podcast. We're live. This week, sponsored by Oysters, a seashell full of warm semen. Mmm. Mm. Yum, yum, yum. The cock's not at the sea. Get yours on five day delivery. Mm. <laughs> That's fresh. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Right. Nobody wants an oyster. Hold on. I know you're all excited, and yes, I have written a recap because Matt wasn't here last week and may need a bit of a reminder as to what the fuck happened. At least it'll be a short one. Oh, yeah. Uh, for a while, Chris gave me a little. Oh, you've got dice. My really nice new dice. That's nice. Courtesy of me, and courtesy of the Critical Role store. Shout out to Critical Role. I mean, I feel like Critical Role really needs a shout out. They're not doing so I well. It's this. nice to be able to give uh, a bit of recognition to some of the smaller D&Ds. It's, it's amazing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This community is just so loving. We, we Sometimes we have to help out our little brothers. Exactly. <laughs> also, shout out to Microsoft and the United States of America. <laughs> <laughs> I go through tough times at the moment. <laughs> mm. Right, I've done a little recap. Matt, I appreciate you weren't here last week. Lots of stuff happened. So here is a little recap just for you and the 23,000 other listeners who couldn't make it last week. So last we left off with our intrepid adventurers, they were languishing in a jail cell in the underground depths of the dwarven city of Uthodern. Chained to a wall and feeling sorry for themselves, they started to take stock of their new surroundings, straw and piss, with the occasional firelit sconce on the walls. 
Before they had much chance to settle in and make the place feel homely, guards came and dragged Belsiar and Maud away, leaving the party alone. Well, not totally alone. They realised they had two jail cell buddies chained to the wall to their left and right. One, a seasoned bard called Gary Sparkletips, and the other, a dishevelled old sack of bones called Lemon Leaf on the other side. Conversation really sparked up and began to flow naturally. A plan was hatched, a bold escape. Lemon Leaf was happy where he'd been residing in the cell for decades, but agreed to help in exchange for a little intimacy, something he had sorely lacked for all his time there. Aristobulus stepped up and embraced him in a warm hug, instantly making him tighten up and fall to the ground like a rock. Pandemonium ensued and the guards rushed in to investigate, sparking the most lackluster jailbreak ever. Sparkletips opted to stay and the party said their goodbyes, noting that the old man Lemonleaf had literally died of happiness from Aristobulus's hug. The remaining members of the party snuck their way to the top of the stairs out of the dungeons, only injuring themselves marginally through the medium of amateur parkour. Bursting through the guardroom like a greasy finger through warm butter, they incapacitated the two dwarven guards and prepared there to find their missing companions and Barbara. Yes, Barbara had gone missing. Delving deeper into the dungeons, they found themselves presented by a large oak door. Prying it open, they found themselves standing at the back of a large auditorium in the round. A large crowd was hubbubbing in the stands as the two lonely figures of Belsiar and Maud stood in the dock high up in a diet. <laughs> the loud voice proclaimed that the trial would now begin. And that is where we will pick up this week's episode. So yeah, Matt, basically, you and Maud are on trial, except Chanel can't be here. So you and me are on trial. So I will be both prosecuting and defending myself. Um, so as we as we walk through the door and we hear the, the proclamation that the trial has begun, I'm just going to say, yeah, that's why they told us to come here. Yeah, they, they told us to come through here for the trial. To be fair, as you utter these uh, words, you look around and uh, you notice that it's high entertainment for the people of Uthodan. Clearly, they like a trial, and we're not. When I say there's people there, they're not just. Um, they are not just the jury. Also, you know, there's stands all around. We're not talking about the Colosseum, but we are. We are talking about. Is this a? Is the media here as well? Are there journalists? As you look over, you see little people with um, easels and paintbrushes who are just painting. <laughs> Some of them study with um, our friend from CSI. Yeah, oh, Barry Tulips. Yeah, they're from the same yeah. school of. Uh, Sadly, I can't bring Barry Tulips into every situation on a whim. <laughs> I wish I could but it wouldn't be professional for narrative reasons. So no, as you look around, Tati, you don't see Barry Tulips. But you do see a various other courtroom artists. The, the, the Crowd-wise, I would say it's much akin to um, the Globe Theatre, like Shakespeare's kind of, the kind of bawdy... The judge is just about keeping them in check, but they're there for, uh, you know, this is popcorn entertainment. They're here for a show, and by God, is Belsiar going to entertain them? How easy would it be to, like, kind of um, fade into the into the crowd from, like, our <laughs> position? Um, I mean, at this point, I'm going to say you came through fairly, like, quietly at the back doors. Nobody's really noticed. Everyone's eyes are, like, front. And you've got to remember that this is, like, a raised thing. So the, the, the stand that the judge is on and the stand 
that the defendants are on are both raised about 20 foot in the air, so all eyes are kind of like up and you're down. Oh, okay. Can I Altia blend through and then find the seat? <laughs> very, very loose. Yeah? Uh, I'm, I'm going to leave my warhammer at the door, I think. <laughs> <laughs> as, as you walk in, you... Hang on a minute. Did you have your equipment? We, you picked up two butter knives. We picked up, we picked up a few Late. things. I've, I've written down what I picked up. I know you got a warhammer. Yeah, I picked up a warhammer. We don't have our own equipment, but we Oh, found... okay. So yeah, so my As you walk in, you see the duty guard on the door, and you just leave your, your warhammer. He was looking a little bit concerned that you brought a weapon into a courtroom, but as you left it in his um, care... He's less concerned. Um, he adds it to a pile of other weaponry that's accrued at the door. I wait for my ticket. <laughs> Check your weapons at the door. <laughs> can I um, can I attempt to can I attempt to um, hide the dagger that I've got? I don't know what you want me to roll for it. But... Um. Yes, you can, if you wish, attempt to conceal. Uh, make me a sleight of hand check. I like to think that until then you were like, kind of like, had it like, <laughs> you were fencing in like an on guard position. <laughs> natural 20. Ooh! How many fucking natural 20s do you guys get? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start auditing these. Um, I, don't think, I don't think I got a natural 20 last week. I mean, you can it. It's on the website. I was going to say, like, it's on the, it's on the, it's on the game log. I mean, presumably Belsiar and Maud are blissfully unaware of the rest of the party, but Hanash, as you look over at Tati, he does some close hand magic and you just see, like, the knife. <laughs> I, w- I, I whisper to him, be cool, bro. Yeah. <laughs> as he flails in the wind. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, hidden blade it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, sick. Uh, oh, no, wait. We lost AJ. AJ down. Looks like he's just dissolved into... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's done too much, too much close up hand magic and he's gone. Oh, the stopped as well. There we go. We're back. What happened was Chanel, who plays Maud, who was supposed to be working, was putting up Christmas decorations, fell off a chair, and landed oh, on the no. <laughs> It's the internet connection now. Is, is, is Chanel alright? And importantly, is Christmas safe? Well, you know how Hanash has part of a spike stick in oh, no. Well, yeah. <laughs> now, Chanel is Wi Fi enabled. <laughs> I'm going to say she lights up. <laughs> Chanel lights up. If, uh, no, no. Chanel, Chanel gladly is fine. And Christmas is saved. Yeah, I wonder what happened because everything went dead. It turns out Chanel fell off a chair and took the root around. But she seems to be okay. She was putting up a festive garland for the listeners who were interested over the bay window. Mm, bay window must must be nice. <laughs> must be nice. Just the time. Look at you enjoying your oysters in your bay window. No, 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 it's empty. There's no, there's no like, warm shit in there. We'll get into the discussion, listeners, about whether oysters are an abomination, but that can wait for another time as we rejoin the adventuring party in the belly of Uthadurn in the middle of a court. Uh, where did we leave off? Oh, yeah. Tati Jangles was doing some close hand manipulation and had just hidden... Was it one knife or two knives? It was just one. One dagger. Just one knife. Um, tucking the knife into the pan at the back, you uh, clench it between your cheeks where nobody will ever... No, 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 I'm, I'm hidden blading it like Assassin's Creed. I'm, we're going all the way. 
embedding it in your own arm. <laughs> You're chopping off. The, oh no, you haven't got any fingers. It can't be. It can't be assassins. Yes, yeah. you get sacrifice a stump for it. Yeah, with a natural twenty, I basically grow fingers back. <laughs> right, Tatty hides a blade on himself as Hanash is about to make me a something check to see if he blends into the crowd. I think, I think uh, athletics is what you're thinking. Athletics, yeah, you're just going to muscle your way into the crowd just throwing people in order. I mean, an aerobatics might be good. Maybe I can somersault into the crowd. <laughs> you don't like making stealth checks, so you're going to have to make a stealth uh, check. Ah, yeah, shit. Oh, no, no, that's right. I thought it was a one. Uh, eight. Eight? Yeah. Everybody looks over as Hanash does his best to kind of slide into the crowd. What you mostly notice is the crowd just moves around him. There's almost like a almost polarised as as he tries to hide in a group of dwarfs there's just a green head and <laughs> sticking over the top this is going to be like an Ewok and C-3PO moment isn't it <laughs> 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 a bit like when you arrive to the cinema ten minutes late and everyone has to stand up to let you into the room uh, right. uh, I'd like to get on my knees please <laughs> Getting down onto your knees, you just blend into the crowd. As you look at two awkward dwarfs on your on one side, and as you look over, there's a small dwarf child looking at you with wonderment through a tiny beard as you've come down to her level. I give a thumbs up and a, and a smile <laughs> in, a, in a non-creepy way. She starts crying and just disappears, just disappears into the fold of her mother's dress. That, that winning just vaporizes that winning wow. <laughs> right and as we've done that we are going to pan our way back up into the um the the the, the dock where we find Hannah uh, we find Belsia and Maud um, I agree uh, I feel yes. like we should get like requests from the public about like what voices AJ should do. So I would really like the prosecutor to be like the colonel, like a real like Southern American kind of. I was thinking that uh, AJ could potentially do the voice of the prosecutor a bit like Dolores Umbridge from Harry Potter. <laughs> Ooh, I'm okay with Harry Potter, but hang on, which one should she's, uh, she? She's just very prim and proper. She doesn't. She doesn't have a super like standout voice. It's just what came into my head. Okay. 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 Um, right. Uh, I will. I will duly note that. I'm going to put that on a little bit of paper and fold the paper up, put it in a bin, and walk away from it. But thank you very much for your suggestion. Seems, um, seems legit. Right. Looks like one of those. So, Belsia. <laughs> 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 The dock you find yourself standing in is a fairly sturdy-looking wooden structure that is raised some 20 feet off the ground by a staircase that trails off behind you. The floor space is reasonably ample and leaves you on full display of the crowd of people who you see looking down on you with great interest from above. You can see many eyes watching you intently, some partially hidden behind beards and bushy eyebrows. A small metal rail is bolted to the wall in front of you, to which your manacles are adjoined. Behind you, a stern-looking dwarfen guard stands to attention, with his hand on the pommel of his sword. A once ginger beard flows down his chest, having aged with time to a pale shade of its original vibrancy. Various runes are tattooed across the skin of the dwarf's hands, and the sides of his head 
which have been shaved clean. It's at this point that you hear a wet cough behind you, and a sickly-looking human man in a suit makes his way up the stairs, pausing at the top to catch his breath. A thin line of sweat starting to bead on his forehead. He looks at you. (laughs) Rosenbaum! Klaus Rosenbaum! As he shakes your hand weakly. Good to meet you, Klaus. Yes, you must be the guilty party. Yes, I'm not sure what I'm guilty of, but... I'm here to represent you. We wouldn't want to miss courage of justice now. What a great attitude for a public defender. <laughs> you must be the guilty guy. As he starts coughing, he hacks up something wet into a handkerchief and just secrets it away into a uh, pocket of his I top. have 1,000 questions about this guy. <laughs> Taking a thick bundle of notes from under his arm, he trips and they scatter across the floor. Oh, bobbins... As he scrabbles to pick them up, the guard making no effort to help. As he readjusts his notes in a slightly incorrect order into his file, he looks at you and says, So you appear to have racked up quite the charge sheet. Murder, jailbreaking, reckless endangerment, impersonation of a state official. And before that, all the nasty business about magical malfeasance. Well, I, 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 I don't know who you've been talking to, but uh, some of that might be true, but... I don't see how that's relevant here. Well, I mean, the Dunrock Mountains, you remember escaping? Yeah. Yes. But I personally didn't do anything wrong. I just followed the other guys that were guilty. Well, I'll see if I can make a defense out of that. Are you Are you any good? Well, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, if that's what you mean. <laughs> I turn to the guard and say, I've, I've got some coin. Can I buy a better lawyer? He looks at you for a while and he barely says anything. And he barely even, like, breaks the uh, standing to attention as he kind of leans in a little bit closer. He's like, quite frankly, I think that's probably the best you're going to get. I turn back to class and I'm just like, well, let's give this our best try. Maud looks at him defensively, her tail like whipping up like the alien queen kind of like just at attention ready to strike at any moment Klaus looking at her warily you can tell they don't get many people who aren't dwarfs humans and elves around here he's a little bit edgy um so we've just so I'm assuming up to this point we've probably just been in a cell and then let out to so you were in a cell you were you were manhandled out of the cell in front of all of your friends dragged up here put on part of a show trial but the trial hasn't really begun in the meantime you you have no idea what everyone else has been up to you and Maud have been rough handled uh, dragged through the guard room at the top um, and told that you are going on trial as there isn't really enough room in the booth for everybody they just pick the two guilty looking people <laughs> to smooth them the dock fair enough that's so racist as um, Klaus Rosenbaum looks at you he's like so what would we base your defence on if we were going to base it on anything um I don't know I feel like we we, we, we need to break down the uh, the accusations one by one I mean I I don't think I've murdered anyone I mean this is a this is in this kind of fantasy role playing world we find ourselves in so to speak there's a there's a thin line between murder and self defence right we can argue that what kind of woke nonsense is this <laughs> <laughs> 
Listen, I'm paid whether you're found innocent or guilty, so if we could just hurry this along, I've got another case this afternoon. I can give you more money if I'm innocent. Does that make you do a... Do you have any money? I... I... Do, do I... Do I? Have I, I assume, have I still got my... I assume I don't have any of my actual possessions. No. You, you've got none of your like, <laughs> hard possessions. No, I spent all my which money. Which means the only, the only spells you can do Once. are... Evocations, the ones that are yeah. Anyway, I just I've just remembered actually. I thought I had lots of gold and platinum, but I spent it all on some cups. <laughs> so I don't have any. I don't, I don't have, have any money, money, but I do have a very specific kind of trinket. You like? I'm not guilty, but I do have a child. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! The, and, and those cups that she made them two years ago. She's playing. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Um, did you actually get the cups? I did, I think. Did I? Because yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I paid yeah, the money. Yeah, I certainly yeah. lost the money, and I think I got. <laughs> we lost the money. Wasn't that going to go in yeah. the cup from another vendor? No, uh, one, one, one would, one would render all poisons um, def- uh, harmless, and the other would make any drink poisonous. I believe. Was, was yeah. the gist of it. So one of them acts as a healing potion. I think the other one acts as a poison. As a poisoning, yeah. Apologies, yeah. Oh no, sorry, you're quite right. When drinking out of one, you would heal yourself to um, to the degree of a healing potion once a day, and when drinking out of the other one, you would you would do damage. You're you're basically doing the Princess Bride. You've got two. You've got like cups, yeah. and one of them's poison, and you're like. I like you in for that instead of Indiana Jones. I think that's quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I see. You have chosen, Paul. <laughs> mm. So, whilst all of this is going on, you're conferring with Klaus Rosenbaum, the public defender who seems to be on his last legs. He's he's not actually as old as he looks. He just looks very sickly. Uh, he looks like a man who was never picked in PE, who always had a note from his parents. Um and um, as this goes on you hear another voice boom and you look up in the dais you see the Lord Chief Justice who um, Rosenbaum informs you, informs you is called Kakad Grease Grip who is the head honcho um, Chief Lord Justice of the Dwarfs he looks very old very wise inscrutable and mysterious with a long flowing white beard that has various knots in it as it goes down, which are intertwined, his beard with little runes holding it in little places as it goes down. Um, and much shiny kind of um, leather and obsidian armour on him. He has a um, walking stick as well. He looks very, very, very old, but very wise. As his, You get the feeling that this whole courtroom is designed the acoustics of it to project voices around as he um, lets out a booming voice may the guilty party and as the guard behind you pokes you and more to shuffle forward to stand at the rail I shuffle forward and I, I, I kind of not very loud but I just say but I'm not I'm not guilty but not loud enough for anyone to hear because I, I don't want to cause the ruckus you hear Rosenbaum uh, coughing into a handkerchief behind you as he's like always good to to, to establish that early on right not guilty he crosses not... out half of his trial strategy <laughs> <laughs> he's not guilty good start <laughs> 
Right. At this point, we're going to pan back to Tati and Hanash and whoever's autopiloting Aristobulus. Um, I can I can pilot Aristobulus. Did you guys join me in, in the crowd? I was I was just about to ask. So the layout of this room is like the stand in the middle is kind of raised about 10, 20 feet, did you say? Um, and then and then it goes down in the middle and then the stands kind of go up outward from that. Yeah. Okay. Do you know, I hate using this example because it's shite, but do you know in the terrible original episode one, two, and three, do you know like when they turn up at the Senate and everyone's kind of like coming down in tears? And everyone's <laughs> yeah, like, I get what you mean. Um, Which Ted Hastings, if you look, Ted Hastings from Line of Duty is actually in the crowd in uh, Star Wars Episode One. You can Google that yourself. Really? Yes. Mother of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of he's one of the representatives in the Senate. He used to like slap the women's asses and like ah, you little rascal. Right. <laughs> he's a sexist one, right? Probably, yeah. Well, what are you guys doing? As, as you look up, Belsia has no idea you're there. Maud has no idea you're there. You see them up on the stand. You can see a sort of wizened old man, what looks like a wizened old man, which actually in reality isn't, hobbling up the stairs behind him. Uh, what are you What are you guys doing? As, as uh, Hanash, you are crouched down in a row of dwarfs <laughs> trying to stay. So I'm... Seeing that, seeing that Hanash had to crouch down to make himself the same height as everybody else, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell Aristobulus to wait by the side of the stand, maybe by the maybe by the door that we were um, that we came in through, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna follow Hanash in, and I'm gonna uh, go a little bit further further in than he does, but I'm gonna stay within eyeshot of him mm-hmm. and try and remain kind of stealthy, I guess. Like mm-hmm. social stealth. Social stealth. Bloody hell. And uh, you're, you're basically um, you're, you're trying to um, you're just trying to blend in and watch for the moment, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Right. Panning back to Cacard uh, Grease Grip who is standing and booming at the top of his voice as he says... We are gathered here today for the trial of the Dragonborn and the Demon Child and their assorted companions, and we will hear opening statements. Who here is in prosecution? As you see a little dwarf come shuffling up, you see a female dwarf appear on the dais next to you, which is the prosecution, as you see a fairly angry-looking female dwarf. As you hear a voice say, I am prosecutor, smelt feather! As a small but robust, angry female prosecutor arrives, the accused is charged with, well, what aren't they charged with? Murder in the Dunrock Mountains. Escape from prison in the Dunrock Mountains. Impersonation of a state official. One underbrock Damaroff. Further to that, they did also not withhold magical items which may have pertained to... Well, I mean, if it's to believe, there is a fairy tale, but apparently they have the orbs of Tartarus. And quite frankly, not handing these in, they appear to have caused quite the ruckus amongst the elves in the uh, forest. Lives were lost. Elfin lives were ended by none other than an ice knife. And she looks over at you. Several elf guards were crushed under the wheels of a cart. 
One elf was impaled to a gate with a nice knife. So yes, we'd be looking at various charges here. Murder, manslaughter, impersonation, jailbreak, and the possession of some highly dubious magical items. Resisting arrest, bailiffs were sent after them to try and bring them back. I refer you to Red and Staleblight. You look over and in the um, witness box, you see the man with uh, animal skins on him. Bailiffs were sent to try and uh, bring them back, but at every opportunity, they refused. I step forward. Can I can I give a rebuttal? <laughs> As you go to step forward, uh, Kakard Grease Grip says, Wait till you're spoken to, lad. Otherwise, I will find you in contempt of court. Also, could you tell... I don't think my defence... I don't think my defence can find me in contempt of court, but I I back away nonetheless. (laughs) (laughs) As um, you feel a very soft hand on your shoulder, as Klaus Rosenbaum says, would you like me to represent you? Yes, I have no choice. Okay. Right, as you see him shuffling his notes as he moves to the front of the stand. My lord... There has been a grievous misunderstanding here. These are tourists who have been embroiled in nothing short of holiday misadventures. <laughs> I immediately like this 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 class. <laughs> we have a Belsiaz. I feel that if given enough time, I may weave a narrative which may prove that these people are nothing more than merry-making holidaymakers who have been embroiled in a plot which has brought them into more trouble than they wished that they had been involved with. But I do consider them to be innocent, mostly because I'm paid by the state to find them so. Didn't need to add that. (laughs) I do do find compelling evidence. Yes, that is all for now. As he steps back, you hear um, Kakad Grease Grip say, Thank you for your opening statements. We will now take witnesses. We will have a minor recess. Those witnesses are assembled. Is the jury ready? As you look over, you see uh, an assortment of people in a, in another raised uh, area. There seems to be a, an interesting cross-section of society who are here to judge you. Uh, well, not judge you. They're, they're here to make their own decisions on you. Um, Klaus Rosenbaum takes you to one side and says, Well, do you think that sounded convincing? Yeah, I mean, you, you, yeah, you, you probably could have left out the part about being paid by me innocent and said that you you you, you really thought I was innocent, but as I thought it was a, it's a it's a good defence. I think I, I I admire your your pluck. I'm not going to lie; those weren't the notes for your case. I appear to have jumbled my notes together, but I think we can possibly still get you some degree of leniency. That that would be great. We're going to play out the holiday angle. I uh, I like to look around the crowd at Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> Make me a investigation check. Um, at the same time, can I also be checking the crowd for, um, or checking just checking the room in general for uh, Oberon? Was that his name, Theolin's brother? Yes. Um, if. Yeah, if I can see Oberon or the... Uh, we already saw the guy in the, the animal pelts, didn't we? Uh, yeah, he was, yeah, he was yeah. His name was Red and Stale Blight. Yes. 
Um, I'm going to look around for Oberon and see if I can see him anywhere. Make me an investigation, Jack. Sure. Well, I got a ten online, by the way. Okay. Uh, you look around for Hawaiian shirts. You don't see so many Hawaiian shirts. You see the original. You see the occasional person who seems a little bit out of place, be it a halfling or the occasional dragonborn. Because the majority of people here are elfin or dwarf and human. Uh, an almost 50-50 split of elven and dwarf with maybe 10 or 12% of humans and everyone else is an outlier so you do, you know, by by their completely different genetics people do stand out but no, the closest you see is a lovely looking human lady uh, with very floral pattern dress on I got 17 17, yeah, as Tatty look, you look back at Tatty who's completely engrossed looking in the crowd, wide-eyed, looking around uh, Tatty, you finally, you see a shock of white blonde platinum hair as you see in the back of the witness box uh, you see Oberon with a bunch of other people Okay Seemingly, he's going to give evidence at some point. Yeah. Um, so, just to give it a bit of context, each of these raised dioceses is up on beams, and each has stairs that go up to them, to the judge's box, to the juror's box, to the prosecution, the defence, and the witness stand. All of them have stairs that go up. Each of them has a guard at the bottom. Okay. Um, does, the, does the crowd... Um, is the crowd kept at a distance from the bottom of those daises? Basically, how like how difficult would it be to, to move around close to the bottom of it? Oh, I see. Uh, you could, there are people coming and going, you know, in anything, in a football match. Not everyone sits in the chairs. People go to the toilets and, the, you know, for refreshments. You do, as you look around, see various people moving around with large trays of refreshments, like a cinema from the 1930s. As you just see people like throwing bags of nuts into the crowd, uh, there are vendors. Are there any film fingers available? As you look around, Hanash, you see a man, you see a hawky-looking man with a pointy nose who's wandering around with a sack and he's selling uh, novelty judges' wigs. Uh, no, I, I wanted a bell star number one. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, this isn't, this isn't like the O.J. Simpson trial. <laughs> Like, I don't think, like, this is, like... Uh, oh, we all got excited describe. when we heard the media was going to be here. We, we, got, we were taking it to the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I think people are turning up for a hanging. Uh, Tatty, as you look over, you happen to glance your eyes on one of the courtroom uh, artists who's drawn a beautiful depiction of the crowd and the stand... Uh, and as you look, you see rows upon rows of people in the crowd on this man's easel and just a green set of head and shoulders above the <laughs> rest as much has been immortalised into the back like, of a... Uh, uh, like Incredible Hulk in a game of Guess Who. <laughs> <laughs> the man's gone to great detail to find like a little hunchman. Um, I'd like to... So did you say that, did you say that Oberon was 
um, at the bottom of the that witness there. If you imagine, uh, oh fuck me, how am I going to describe this? So where 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 uh, people come to give evidence, uh, there's like a little podium with you know they stand, they can put their notes, and behind it are rows of seats. So almost all of the witnesses are in reserve on the seats, and they'll come forward one at a time from their chairs to go and stand at that little desk. Oh, okay. So, so there's maybe I don't know ten people, one of which is clearly. Oprah. And there's a. Did you say there was a guard at the at the at the bottom? At the bottom yeah. yeah, yeah. You'd have to go up different stairs to get to each of the different bits. So there's a set of stairs which is doubly guarded for the judge. There's a set of stairs for the prosecution, the defence, the witnesses, and there's two guards on the uh, bottom of the jurors' box as well. Okay, I'm just gonna um, I'm just gonna keep an eye on Oberon just to kind of. I know that I'm I'm just going to be checking him out from a distance, but I want to I want to try and get a bead on his um, his mood, I guess, or his. He seems in a quite jovial mood. He looks happy, like he he knows justice is going to be served, and you notice he happens to be sitting next to Under Baron Brock Damaroff as well. You know this because you want this guy myself personally. Um, okay, yeah, right. What, uh, Hanash, you are intently looking around, looking at the various vendors, traders, <coughs> people who are the life and soul of this party. As there's a little lull in the case in the proceedings, uh, as <coughs> five minutes of adjournment were put in place, um, by the judge. As you hear, you feel like as the metal spike on the side of your head is vibrated. As you look over, you see the small dwarf child <laughs> is playing with the metal. Like pinging it with her finger. I tell her uh, it'll be it'll be five silver for every every flick. <laughs> she reaches into her pocket. <laughs> she pulls out. She goes into her pocket and she pulls out and opens her hand. She's got two buttons, a bit of fluff, and a wrapper. Um, I say, get like if you get your your parent to like buy some snacks and give me those snacks, then you, you may flick my steel bit. <laughs> make me a make me a persuasion check. <laughs> this is the courtroom drama. This is what we're hoping. with a child. Got a natural twenty. <laughs> a natural twenty. You see a steely-eyed look on the dwarf and toddler's face, and she looks. Oh no! Are oh, you going to be shitting me? Oh no! Oh no! She's falling. Chanel's falling for chair again. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> You've got to be shitting me. Not now. Not like this. Not like this. Not like this. <laughs> yes, I'm back. Jesus Christ. How many times can Maud fall off a chair? <laughs> right. There we go. So, coming back in, Hanash, you find yourself staring into the steely eyes of a dwarf and toddler as she looks down at the fistful of buttons, fluff and wrappers, looks up at you, Here's your offer. Looks at the shiny metal spike sticking out of your head. Gives you a grin full of teeth and shuffles off, tugging on uh, one of the plaits of her parents' hair and demanding uh, snacks. Uh, and we're going to leave Hanash in his whatever we're going to call that scenario. I'm not sure anything is truly appropriate. And we're going we're gonna to come back to Belsia in the stand with Rosenbaum, who's 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 coughing up a rainbow of different colours into a handkerchief. He's very sickly. <laughs> right, well, 
Do you have any witnesses who could help you? Um, in 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 Uthodon, um, the, the 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 there was a turtle man, Snortle the turtle. He, he can help. He must be around here. <laughs> Snortle the turtle. <laughs> well. I could ask for an adjournment of court if you think you can find a witness. Yes, he can tell everyone about how we came here on a a lad's holiday to celebrate our getting married to someone. One of you you (laughs) getting married. It's a stag do now. That's a whole other other defense strategy. (laughs) He's just ripping up his notes. He takes his notes, he reshuffles them for a bit, he pulls a quill out of uh, a breast pocket, looks around for some ink, can't find any, puts his quill away, gets out a graphite pencil. Right, run this by me one more time. We were having, and this is this is canonically true, we were having a Damali party in Damali. Right. And you can, I, I don't know if we can get anyone from there, from, we, we, there's surely someone there who remembers how hard we partied. Um, then we got an airship right yes yes that's and, in the news yes yeah. and yeah. had a great party there as well some what one of our companions fell out and died I mean from my notes here apparently you obstructed a police investigation bled all over a crime scene and then uh, pushed a man out of the moving airship resulting in him turning into pink mist on the tarmac and then yeah. you refused to stand trial in the Dunrock Mountains, breaking out of the Dunrock Mountains, leading to a massacre in the prison. One which man was shot in the neck 23 times. Which wasn't us. It was just he chose to, to do that. Okay, well. Um, and then, yeah, basically everything up till then has just been a, you know, lad, lads on tour. Boyish hijinks. Surely the dwarves, dwarves, they, they like a good... I mean, I don't know about the elves, but dwarves like a good a good piss-up. They, they must be able to understand where, where, we were, where, where we were at. Yes, but you see, the problem is, it appears that we had two years of chasing you. So, instead of coming to justice, you appear to have laid low for two years, and then deposited yourself into the middle of a church service in the middle of a dwarven city. So, I mean, if your plan was to lay low, it was shite. That was a that was a time portal thing. We I can't explain that, but okay. you, you get one freebie in each trial, don't you? But you see, the problem is, Tessarian has now stated that you have stolen the orbs of Tartarus, and being that they were found on your possession when you face planted into the middle of a church service. Not only that, you killed several of his guards, burned down his tent, and ate all of the chicken. <laughs> but putting that aside, is um. Is Klaus saying this quietly to Belsen? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're still, yeah. They're still in a recess, yeah. But they didn't say anything in the sentencing about the orbs, did they? They did. But they I, think, I think they, I think they, they said something when we were oh, arrested, okay. and they said something when... It made reference to them, I think. I think from their point of view, it's more stolen property. The orbs are a, are a wives' tale. It's more you stole items of high value to an elf. <laughs> and killed a lot of elves in the process of it. Hmm. I mean, technically, Theolian killed more of them than we did. That's true. We probably burned down the tent as well. Um, oh, there is. So, where is Theolian? We could just pin it on him, right? <laughs> 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 
Uh, Belsia, as you look over at the witness stand, you look at the, the rows of people who are going to come and give evidence against you, and you instantly pick out Oberon, you notice Brock Damarov, and then you see a buzzing um, around the place. You hear like a low hum that's going on, um, and you see... Um, oh, dear lordy. Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Um... Oh my god, if Theo is a surprise witness, I'm going to shit myself. <laughs> uh, oh god, I've lost his name. Hang on a minute. Uh, the, the woman who sold us beads. The woman who sold us beads and then stole all our money and pulled them out. Correcting <laughs> this on, like, who gave us the mushrooms? Who gave you the mushrooms? Plastic mushrooms. The tall, the tall gentleman. Oh, yeah, the. the... Aristobulus is one of his many lovers. Yeah. Ah, there you go. Right. As you look over at the stand, um, Belsia, yeah, you see the rows of people, and you see various people. You see Oberon, you see Underbaron Brock Damarov, and you see a fairy flying around, buzzing in between the people. As you look over and you see Jacob Silverplums, the incredibly irate fairy that Maud Fairies are not admissible in court. As you feel a tightening around your wrist, as Maud grabs your wrist, notices what you've noticed, and is like, oh, that little shit. <laughs> it's come to give evidence against us. They, everyone knows fairies lie. <laughs> as you see Maud's dick nose gently swinging in, in anger and fury in a pendulous <laughs> fashion. Um, Klaus says, um, well... If that's the story we're going with, well, that sounds like the best we're probably going to get. So, do you think you can find this Snortle the Tortle Man, whatever his name was? Yes, if that's his name. Well, do I... you know his name? Because we, I may be able to get us a small... Snortle? Snortle the Tortle? He's a... You want me to walk around the city of Uthodan shouting, Snortle the Tortle? He, he had a carriage, so look for look for a, a turtle-like fella. Riding, driving a carriage. He's probably at the um, the, the stinky horn. One of the taverns. Uh, name some name some taverns for me. I'll remember. Well, the prancing pony. That's that must speak. be it. prancing pony. I think that was it. Right. Just go there yeah. and ask for Snortle the Tortle. They'll know. They'll know who it is. He can come here and he can clear up everything. Seriously, I might be able to buy you a half-hour pause in this trial. If you think you can get a witness, can I can I look out for um, any of my 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 uh, party in the, in the crowd? See if I can see Tati or Hanasha or something. Yeah, else. yeah, yeah. You can make me. And if are you actively doing it, it'll be an investigation check. Let's see. Oh, 15. 15. Um, you look around and there's just rows upon rows of faces. Some are happy, some are sad, some are angry, some are singing. You see people waddling around, coming out of rows of people going to the toilet or to pick up snacks or to buy things. You look up at the judge who's starting to get a little bit impatient, so he's shuffling paperwork. And as you look down out of the corner of your eye, something green catches your attention as you see possibly the only orc-looking person in this entire um, building wedged down between a bunch of dwarfs low down I jump up and then I sit down and then I get up and I'm like Hanash 
better get my cut on the snacks before I get caught. <laughs> <laughs> uh, being that this is all acoustically amplified up there, and you are in the round, you just lean over the front and you're like, Anash! as everyone turns around and turns at you. As soon as that happens, I like to reflex. I can just like kind of kill into a beetle position on the ground. <laughs> Anash just picks up a small dwarfen child and uses it. <laughs> I altered the deal. Pray I don't alter it further. As you hear your name, you look up and everyone kind of looks in confusion as you feel a small tug on your she- sleeve, Hanash. As you look down and the small child has come back holding a plate of sausages and a tray of nachos with a particularly egregious looking guac sauce on top. I take the, I take the tray and then I kind of like nod my head like so like the kind of metal bit is kind of point to it. Like, go on, you've earned it. Just one though. <laughs> As the little child jumps on and almost bench presses on, you feel a massive like weight in your skull as she pulls it down as it just goes she lets go and it just goes <laughs> <laughs> you hear a little giggle as she just runs off as you feel a kind of electrical pulse crackling through your brain as though one time when I was a kid genuinely I pushed a q-tip too far into my ear and uh, it touched my eardrum and literally the whole world lit up in like lightning it's a bit like that uh, it's a mistake I only made once but it's that kind of uh, moment, like everything kind of lights up in a in a in a beautiful, colourful world of pain. And now you're a dungeon master. Yes, exactly. That's the magic too. <laughs> I'd like to uh, gobble this food down as quickly as I can. Uh, yeah, as you just chow down, like just smashing your face into the takeaway bowl of food. Uh, as you you go at it like a wild animal to to a downed wildebeest, there's just flecks of meat and guac flying in all directions, pebble dashing. Um, other people. As we pan back to Tatty, what the fuck is Tatty doing? Can I? Importantly, what's Aristobulus doing? All right. Um, can I make my way over to the um, the witness box, the witnesses for the prosecution mm-hmm. box? Yeah. yeah. As you, you make your way around, you just go quite unassumingly and quietly. You're not a very big human being anyway. And not a human being at all, actually. You're a halfling. No. As um, you make your way around to the foot, as you look ahead of you, it's a bit like, oh, God, walking down the, the aisle at the theatre. Everyone's sitting there watching as you make your way slowly and confidently down the aisle as you see the stairwell in front of you with two guards placed at the bottom of it. Uh, I'm going to go to confidently walk up the stairs to the witness box. As if I'm not expecting them to stop me, basically. Okay, as you make your way up, both guards stand in the middle blocking your way, and they're like, one of them says, What business do you have here? The trial has started. Seats were taken at least 45 minutes ago. Um, I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to lean in a little bit (laughs) and say, they they brought me in as a surprise witness. None of the none of the defense was supposed to see me coming in. Uh, my name is Scarl Leatherwell. I'm supposed to be the I'm supposed to be the witness for the prosecution. Make me a deception check. Uh, I don't even know where deception is. I use it so little. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Uh, 
Oh, actually, I'm going to use my inspiration. Yeah, thank you. What did you get it for? I got I got inspiration ages ago, and I've just not used it. It only lasts like 24 hours, doesn't it? Really? Yeah, you can't infinitely keep inspiration. Oh, I've had it for a long time. To be fair, we've we've also been we've also been out of action for two years. So <laughs> yeah, I think inspiration would have worn off. I think it lasts only to a long rest. Let me double check that and just make sure. Yeah, um, like from a what were we twenty four hours ago? Were we still rounding up? I think twenty four hours ago we were probably we were probably setting off from Pale Bank Village. Yeah, mm. we have been in the we probably have been in the cells a little while. Um, you have inspiration. Don't you can't stop multiple. You, you would you can earn it. Trey, can let me just double check. Um, just one sure. There's no time expiry on inspiration. Ooh. Okay. Let me double check that. Uh, now that's 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 lawyering. Don't yeah. Don't don't take AJ's word. I feel like if it did, it probably automatically reset on D and D when you take a long rest. And it doesn't. Maybe also makes me think that it's not. That's a good point, actually. Yeah. It's up to you, though. I'll let you. I'll let you rule it however you want. One thing I learned is that you can give it to other people. Once you've got it, you can pass it off to other people. Yeah, I saw that. Really? Um, uh, so you could pass it off to somebody else, but you'd have to you'd have to nominate why you thought they'd earned it, and you could transfer your thing. You can't stockpile it, but I can't see anything that says it runs out. So you think a happy thought about <laughs> talk to Barbara? Or I'm pretty like sure that. that I got inspiration from. Was it from milking the cow? <laughs> okay, 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 okay. As you fondly think back, the warm rivulets of creamy oh, milk as they drip down your mouth. One higher. That might be the, the one that gets you through. I got 12. 12. And he looks at you, he's like, oh, fuck off, seriously. And his, his partner says, no, seriously, you got to check. As he goes and gets a clipboard, looks, said, what you said your name was? Skull smelt what? Skull Leatherwell. Ah, Skull Leatherwell, all right. Okay, okay. And no, you're not on the list, so, you know, fuck off or get some paperwork. You come back here with paperwork, I might let you in. But until then, I can't let you uh, piss about with the case. All right, fair enough. Did they, um, did they, at, least, did they at least get Oberon to, to testify? You asking the DM or are you asking the random guard? Oh, I'm asking. I'm asking the guard. Oh, I mean, well, I probably shouldn't tell you, but uh, yes, Oberon is up there. But I don't think we only just started the trial, so no one's given any evidence yet. All right, fair enough, guys. I'll um, I'll 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 check it out from the cheap seats instead. Well, aye, that's a good thing. And maybe if you shout loudly enough, maybe somebody will listen to your testimony. Hey, everyone loves a surprise witness, right? Aye, that's a little courtroom joke. You just, you, you don't bother. No one likes a heckler. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I just kind of give them give them the awkward salute and, and walk back into the crowd. You'd walk back into the crowd, not down the aisle. He literally just... <laughs> <laughs> Um, right and with that we're going to go back to Klaus Rosenbaum who's like seriously do you want me to try and get some sort of um, stay in court to try and find this turtle witness of yours (laughs) as he cobs up into a handkerchief would you mind I think I might be our only hope at salvation okay not that I don't trust your abilities but He's a nice guy, I think. You put him up there, he can probably give a nice speech and uh, he'll get everyone on our side. As Klaus Rosen 
um, steps to the edge and says, Lord Justice, uh, it has been drawn to my attention that uh, the client of mine has a surprise witness that he would like to bring to the stand. I know that it is at short notice, but I'm sure that this man can be sworn in, as there appear to be no other witnesses who can speak to the veracity of the holiday hijinks of which this man is guilty of. As you see um, Kakad Grease Grip stroking his beard as he's like, Alright, you'll enjoy it, but listen, no more delays. You go, you find it, send a guard, he either brings back this turtle or he doesn't bring back this turtle. And if there's no turtle, I will seriously be taking a dim view on these scaly creatures of the night who come to this city, bringing their murderous ways. And with that, we will take a small pause. I will give a half hour to find the turtles. Um, how does jurisdiction work in D&D? Like, like <laughs> for, for the crimes outside of Ufoden, you know, like, like for the elves, like, that's, surely that's not for this court. This is Hanash asking a small toddler next to him as the little dwarven <laughs> over, over a plate of nachos. <laughs> the, little, the little dwarf girl's like, I don't know. <laughs> what good are you to me, child? I'm sorry, I you. <laughs> and she plays with your little spike, just goes, wada, 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 wada. You got one. Do it again. No trouble. Wada, 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 I push her over. <laughs> <laughs> over. Right. There's just a little cry from a dwarf girl. Right. And it's at that point we're going to pause as the guards go off to try and find Simig. Uh, we're going to have a quick refreshing drinks break and then we're going to get straight back into this absolute shit show of a trial, which has been anything other than linear. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing as well in D&D land, there's not like ID. We don't like have driver licenses or anything like that. They can't just get off likeness, I guess. I mean, yeah, it'd probably, like a, probably like, be like a very vague description of someone. Your ID of an ID is sort of like a unique passport of STIs that you've collected from all the <laughs> Like, if somebody swabbed you, they would definitely find a unique... Like a Jackson Pollock of diseases. <laughs> if one of the witnesses is Madame Monsieur... Oh, I did think oh, that. Yeah, yeah. She, would be, she would be the star witness for you. Oh, you would be fucked. <laughs> you just see a woman surrounded by 12 cats. Right. Uh, right, quick drinks break, and then we will get back to it. Right. As we come back into the courtroom drama there has been a bit of a lull Hanash has now got indigestion from eating sausages and taco uh, uh, nachos too quickly Tati has made his way back across the courtroom and is currently blended into the back having tried his hand at breaking into the witness stand as um, LCI you stretch your scaly legs as they're starting to get sore standing up in the box as you start seeing a bit of movement and as you look out at the left hand side you see a ginormous turtle being dragged up into the witness yes. box he's uh, bigger than your average and the stairs look like they're creaking underneath him as he makes his way to the podium <laughs> you see him attempt to adjust things as he breaks part of the stand with a giant maw of a hand as he makes his way as you hear the judge say all stand court will commence in the trial of the dragonborn and the weird looking demon child woman thing 
Does the turtle look like our turtle, or could it be a different turtle? I think <laughs> this could be a bait and switch. <laughs> a Mario and Luigi situation. Or is it the lawyer, but he's found the shell of Bobby's bag? He's a really great lawyer. It's just the lawyer in a Papier Mache shell. <laughs> It's been truly amazing. Um, as you you hear Kakard Grisgrip say, call to the witness stand one Simig, Turtleborn. That's the name. In testament to the defence of Belsiar, the Dragonborn, and Maud of Nightmares, evil demonic witch woman from another dimension. What do you have to say for yourself, Mr. Simig? As you see, the um, total is a bit worse for wear and just swaying from side to side. As you just hear his voice booming out. He doesn't have an indoor voice as he's like, I'm not entirely sure what I'm doing here. But as he takes a pause, <coughs> coughs up, pulls a cigar, out, lights a cigar as um, somebody tries to shuffle over to him and tell him quietly that he can't smoke in court as he completely ignores the tiny figure of a dwarf who barely comes up to his knee next to him and carries on smoking. I've known these boys? Well, how long have I known them? Long enough, I guess, to know that they're good people. We got ourselves in quite a fix in a river. Broke a wheel. That helped me out. Yes, I saw the molester fairy. Quite frankly, I think these boys are good people. Give them a thumbs up. Did they steal my carriage? I think they did steal my carriage. But I think it was a clerical error. As the prosecution, um, who is called Smeltweather, he says, So, would you say that they're likely to have murdered those people? As Simmig says, Well, all I can say is when they were driving my cart, yes, they ran over an elf. For sure, they killed him dead. I just put my head in my hands. <laughs> Let's be honest. They had to swerve several times before they finally hit the elf. He tried to dodge left and right, but they swerved and they finally hit him. I mean, you know, this could all be misunderstanding. I've sighed many shellings up and down this land of side shellings. And I know a good shelling from a bad shelling. Seems like more of a brag than anything else. <laughs> And these kids here, they're good children. I stand up and I say, I move that the bit about us murdering an elf be stricken from the record. (laughs) (laughs) There's a little tittering in the audience and laughter as you feel a gentle hand on the back of your shoulder as Klaus Rosenbaum says, Look, I would ask you not to do my job for you. No, hang on, those words made no sense in the order with which I just said them. The small hand appears on the back of his shoulder as he says, Please don't do my job for me. I am more than capable of defending you in a lackluster fashion. I sit back down and... Also, you called this man to the witness stand. I didn't know he was going to be a, an, a detriment to the defense. Well... Can, okay. we, can we maybe get him off the witness stand? <laughs> Klaus looks at you and says... Well, I I suppose I could see what I can do as Klaus stands up and says, I would like to make a motion to point out that the witness, Simic, is inebriated and under the influence of various substances. As the judge, uh, the Chief Justice, looks over and says, Is this true, Simic? Are you under the influence of substances? Simic just looks over and says, I surely am! 
Do you have any further questions, Your Honor? As uh, Kakard leans forward and says, What do you know about the orbs of Tartarus? I don't know a damn thing. I just drive people from A to B. Oh, look, there's Mr. Oberon. Oh, hello, Mr. Oberon. As he waves at the man in the crowd next to him. <laughs> well, this is awkward. As he, uh, he says, Listen, I don't know what these boys are doing. I don't know what they got themselves mixed up in, but they're good people. I'll tell you the good people, and I know good people. I've gone fishing with that man over there. I'll tell you, he's a good man. I don't get my rod out for anybody. <coughs> I got my rod out for him. And I stand by that statement. Kakard looks at him for a while in complete disbelief. He's like, right, well, that's uh, very informative, Mr. Simic. Uh, if you wouldn't mind taking a seat. As Simic backs up into the... You see Simic back up and sit down on a pew. As there's a cracking and creaking noise. And you think you see the other side of the witnesses slightly rise up. Well, Klaus looks at you for a while and says, Well, um, that could have gone worse. Some good, some bad. I hope the jury remembers the good, and uh, I think that could, have, that could have gone worse. Aye. I mean, he didn't openly indict... Oh, hang on, I'm not Scottish. As he looks at you and says... Well, yes, they didn't. I mean, he didn't openly say that you were a murderer. He just sort of said you were a negligent driver. Yeah, that's a lesser charge. Anyone's going to see that, don't you think? Yes. So, well, I mean, is there anything you might want to say in your defense? Um, there is one thing. If we if we had stolen the orbs of Tartarus, we and we knew what they were, and we were truly malicious, we would have used them straight away to, to do some kind of bad things. Who would steal the orbs of Tartarus and then just run around for a few weeks doing completely separate adventures without 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 taking advantage of them? We we clearly if we even if we did steal these orbs, we clearly didn't know what they were. He has a coughing fit and accidentally hocks up a, a like some lung butter onto the sleeve of your top as he takes out a handkerchief and starts mopping the sticky substance off your wizard's robes. Oh, I'm so sorry. Don't worry, it's congenital. As um <laughs> he um, he says, "Right, look, listen. These whole orbs. I wonder if I can, if we can find a uh, defense based on them. what exactly do they do? Uh, magic things. Um, I think I think you put them all together, and then they fly up in the air, and you you, you get free wishes, something like that, like the Dragon Balls." <laughs> I, just, I just hear a, a voice in the crowd heckling. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Copyright! <laughs> From the crowd. As um, you look over, you see another man shuffling. As um, uh, Kakard says, We will now bring the next witness to the stand. Flag and soul spring. <laughs> As you see your one-time childhood friend come to the stand. Oh, no. As the dragonborn sorcerer basically he stands there and says, Right? Oh, God, I do hate that fucking dragonborn. You know the trouble he got me in? He got me in stocks. I got pelted with warm vegetables in the fucking stocks. In Blooming Grove. He stuck some ears. He put some magical donkey's ears on a child and then tried to palm it off as me. I was in the fucking stocks in that village for weeks. I'd, I'd stand up and I'd point a flag and I'd say, He's the one, Your Honor. He's the one who stole the orbs and murdered all those people. <laughs> as, um... 
the cacad says, Order in this court, or I'll hold you in contempt. Do you have a point to make, Dragonborn? He's he's a where we come from in the land of Dragonborn, there's good Dragonborn like me and bad ones, very bad ones like him. And he's the worst of the bad ones. And he lies. He lies all the time. He he says he he abuses children and then says someone else did it. <laughs> I see. And and do you have any evidence of this? No, but you <laughs> see. Well your conjecture is almighty interesting, I must say. I'm willing to concede that he may not be the most interesting witness ever, but you, you can't just make poppycock up on the spot. So, listen, do you have anything to say in your defense? Uh, no, but I'm, uh, are there any, there, are there any dragonborn in the crowd you, you, I think you mentioned? Uh, as you look about, occasionally you can see one or two dragonborns in the crowd. They're quite easy to spot. Um, I, I shout out in Draconic help a brother out <laughs> oh. uh, I understand Draconic oh um, I think uh, at this point Tati has uh, uh, upon hearing about the donkey ears Tati has just kind of been like quietly muttering to the people next to him saying donkey ears that sounds like fucking bullshit <laughs> um, but then when Belsia shouts out in Draconic. Um, Tatty is Tatty's going to say, um, "I have something to say." Everything stops, turns. There's a gasp from the crowd as everyone spins around and looks at the tiny gnome standing at the back. Oh, let's go a little bit lower. Please. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be part of the story. The the half orc eating sausage just slowly dips. <laughs> all the all the crimes that that. This man, this this dragonborn, and uh, the, the the tiefling have been accused of were were on my orders. <gasps> there's a there's a massive hush at first, and then a in the crowd as everyone turns around. As under Baron Brock Damarov, not the Baron Brock Damarov, as um, Kakod Grisgrip says, "Well, this is a turn up for the books." I'm going to say, um, the acoustics up here, they're not great. You want me to... And I just point at the witness stand. Ugh, make me a persuasion check. <laughs> With disadvantage, as nobody in the history of a court case has ever strolled into the back and demanded to be admitted to the witness box. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Christ. Disadvantage. Natural one. Oh, no. Natural one. As you, as you make a massive fool of yourself, as you look over a shock of platinum hair, you hear a voice say, Oh, it's him. Arrest this man! As Oberon points over at you and is like, oh, that? oh god, he's not Scottish. That man is complicit in the murder and robbery of my kinsmen. More than just complicit, pointy ears. No need to make this racial short ass. <laughs> <laughs> put, me, put me on the witness stand. I'll, I'll, uh, I, I'll, uh, I'll confess to, uh, to all <laughs> to the crimes. <laughs> I'll, I'll confess to all of the crimes that you have accused my good kinsman of and I'll, I'll see to it that we get to the truth of this matter you see um, uh, Kakard Grease Grip the Dwarf and Chief Justice says listen this is highly uh, this is not this is a strange state of affairs I cannot admit you this is strange <laughs> <laughs> alright you woke you woke <laughs> lunatic would you Listen, 
I can't let you into the witness box, but I can put you on trial if you want to step up in the defense and say your piece. Aye. As you make your way up the stairs, you see <clears throat> you get to the top, and actually it's quite hard work for you because those are human stairs and you're a gnome. As you drag your way, <laughs> you make your way to the top. It's like, <laughs> as you look up, you see a sickly looking old man in a waistcoat and a suit as uh, Klaus Rosenbaum coughs, shakes your hand and says, Hello, I am your defence lawyer, Klaus Rosenbaum, appointed by the state. It is a pleasure to meet you, little man. Pleasure's all mine, tall old man. I'm not old. I said tall. I qualified for an open university course four years ago. <laughs> I'm not old. Definitely old. Um... <laughs> as Maud looks over at you, she leans down and she says, Try not to fuck this up. I say, find, find Barbara. Find my bees. <laughs> I say, that's your to-do list. Find Barbara and find the bees. Fine. And she goes to walk off down the stairs, and you see the guy... Not now! <laughs> You're on trial! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I fix the first part. <laughs> As the guards bring her back up the stairs and <laughs> I just, I just look at her, yeah. like... I mean, I mean, good try. Yeah, we could just walk out any time. Maud, Maud looks at Kakad and said, says, so this isn't one in, one out. Okay. Understandable. It's understandable. Kakad looks at you and says, so, come on then, little man. What is your defence? Um, I'm going to quickly look over at the, at the witness box across from us because I've forgotten who was in there. It was over on Stale Blight. Was it? Mm-hmm. Roden Stalebright's in there, yeah. yeah. Uh, the fairy, Jacob Silver Plums. Yeah. Who else was in the who else was in the witness box? Uh, Oberon, Jacob Silver Plums, Simig now, um Flag and Soul Spring. Oh, the guy from uh, Oh and, and the Baron Brock Demarov. Oh yes, that was it. Uh, cool. Just just getting the timeline in order. Um and as you look over, you finally see the small and familiar face of Ushabati, the man who was a guide to you, who accidentally got killed by a giant rat, brought back to life, squashed by a bookshelf, brought back to life, and then shot through the throat by you before being brought back to life. <laughs> okay. Gotta get my timeline in order here. That guy from from Don't Don't Rock Mountain. To be fair, that sounds like hijinks. That doesn't sound like murder. That sounds like like insult. Just stimulating somebody and then being like, "What was the name of the village where we left uh, Nigel? Where we where we found Flag and Salisbury?" Oh, it's in the um, Blooming Grove. Blooming Grove, that was it. For the listeners, that's some pretty good DM skills to remember a tiny village in the middle of nowhere from about a year ago. Okay, and Simic is in the, the Simic is in our witness box, right? He's not. No, no, Simic, Simic is in the other one. There's He's only on... one witness box, I think. Oh, There's only right. one box. oh okay. You're, you're in the defense. Yeah, I thought Simic, I thought Simic was in the defense one as well. No, no, no. Simic's in the witness box with all the bad guys. Okay. He's currently handing out cigars. He's looking particularly <laughs> awkward as he's currently smoking Oberon cigars. Seems legit. I'm handing them out to everyone else. I mean, it's a long story, Your Honor. Where do you want me to start? How about at the beginning? Unless you want to go to Tarantino. 
and give them the finale and then work backwards. <laughs> yeah, let's get paid for like, let's drag this shit out. Um, <laughs> if you are in a narrated bit halfway through yeah. as well, that'd be... Boy, this wasn't my day! Fuck <laughs> 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 I'm gonna say, um... So... Yeah, I guess it's... I guess it's... I guess it starts with, um... A long, a long weekend in Port de Mali. Um, <laughs> we um, we'd done some partying while we were over there at the um, at the festival. You know, we were all up on beads. <laughs> we made some we made some friends over there, and we we secured passage over to the Dunrock Mountains on an airship, um, where we we came upon the scene of a murder. Um, and we were helped out by a couple of uh, Damali's finest in CSI in the CSI team. Um, Let me pause there. You tell me about these friends in Port Damali. Who are these friends? You mean the ones who sent them? Who sent us to the Dunrock Mountains? Aye. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, we were actually contacted by. Looking through my notes, <laughs> uh, page in a year. So many notes. <laughs> yeah, I get. I, I do a fairly quick rotation on my notes, so there's loads of stuff that's actually just gone missing. Um, You're fucked. I am fucked. <laughs> um, we were contacted by uh, a man named McBeanie who said that he wanted a, a message delivered to a relative of his in. Pale Bank Village. Okay, and how would these friends describe you? Probably pretty small. <laughs> Don't get sassy with me, Tiny Shanks. Sorry, I, I've, I've, hey, I mean, you know how it is. We, we get, we, we get a lot of stick from. I, I kind of like gesture as if I mean tall people. Fuck me, playing the race card. I like it. Persons of height. As uh, he says, if your friends were to describe you and your band of merry men, how would they describe you? Honestly, they'd probably describe us as guys who liked a bottomless brunch. Aye, I like a bottomless brunch as well. Okay, moving on. You said you uh, unwittingly found yourself at the scene of a murder on an airship. Describe that. We did, yes. Um, in the middle of the night, as far as I remember, um, we were alerted to noises from a nearby cabin um, where we quickly realized that um, the recently married man, guy whose name I can't remember, convenient, um, <laughs> had been had been murdered uh, seemingly in his sleep um, and his his uh, newlywed wife was um, in a fit of hysterics in the middle of the night um, and nobody need, nobody seemed to know what had happened uh, there was a journalist there by the name of Gaffer Stankley um, and uh, one of the one of the waiters as well was held in that room because he was the last person seemingly to to uh, to see the murdered guy alive when he delivered room service. Okay. We were we were able to. Um, I mean, I've, I'll, I'll make I'll make no effort to, to conceal what happened. We did fuck up the crime scene, and that's <laughs> that's that's completely that's completely on me. I um, I had a feeling about this Gathras uh, Gathras Dankley guy, and we uh, we tried to make our way into uh, his cabin after 
sharing the evidence that we'd gathered with CSI Damali, um, they were less than helpful. Uh, I tried to make my way into his cabin, and unfortunately, I I biffed it. I biffed it hard. I I, I fell out of out of the um, um, the the the. The grate above the room and landed on my dagger. It was, <laughs> it was fairly horrible. Um, you stabbed yourself in a crime scene and bled all over it. I mean, to be fair, it was ninety percent gravity's fault. I see. Okay. Um, so, on 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 solving the murder, you confronted the killer. We uh, yes, we did. We tried to find the members of CSI Damali. Um, that, as I said, had not proved helpful or open to participation in the past. Um, But when we needed to move down below decks before the airship landed, uh, we actually found, unwittingly, we found Gathro um, attempting to hide out down below decks, and he attacked us and proclaimed pretty wildly... um, that he was the one who had killed this man. Um, he'd left a he'd left a riddle of sorts at the crime scene, um, something to the effect of death to tall people. And um, looking, at, looking at me, he seemed to I don't know. He seemed to think that I would be on his side for having just killed someone just because they were of a different race. Um, he tried to he tried to win me over to his side, but obviously. Um, that didn't happen. We attempted to apprehend him, uh, but when he was um, when he was about to be taken down, he chose to jump out of the, the the doors of the airship rather than be apprehended. This sounds a lot like the plot line of Aliens. You sucked Gathro Skankly out of an airlock. Yes, that famous detective story. <laughs> <Aliens>. <laughs> The foundation of all the detectives. Yeah. Is that a Philip Marlowe novel? All right, all right. So, on ejecting the guilty party out of an airlock, how did you then proceed when you reached the Dunlock Mountains? Um, well, our, you know, our trip, as I said, was supposed to take us to the Palebank Village, so we knew that the Dunrock Mountains were just a pit stop, if anything, just a quick rest stop before finding passage to go further north. Um, so you've got a very interesting turn of events there because in my records, you broke your friend out of prison after managing to murder several inmates and impersonate under Baron Brock Damaroff over there and points to a stunty-looking bloke. Yes. Um, I mean, that's all true, to be fair. I mean... Uh, Let's let's be let's be truthful. None of us. <laughs> let's be truthful. What were we doing before that? None of us. None of us murdered anybody. Um, I. I. You hear a uh, cough from the stand as a shabby stands up and says, "You try to be true." Points to like a hole in the side of his neck. I say that was that was completely an accident. That one was that one was one hundred percent on me. But <laughs> other than other than the accident. We didn't actually murder anyone. I think you'll find that the only person who killed anyone at that prison was uh, the cellmate of the the guy that was the guy that was brought uh, the guy that was sentenced. He looks in his records. That would be one Ugrami. Ugrami, yes, that was his name. Thank you. 
Um, yes, from from what I've gathered, Grammy was um, somewhat a lover. I wouldn't. I mean, in the, in, in this in this in this climate, I would not. I would not call him a lover. I'd say that he was a complicated man with some with some <laughs> uh, with some serious mental issues uh, that need to be that need to be uh, addressed and treated properly. As you look wistfully off beyond him, and you see Aristobula standing at the back, <laughs> slowly rubbing himself through his drown. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I say so. From what I from what I gathered, the the man who was the man who was taken into um, into jail, he was put in the same cell as this Ugrami, um, and Ugrami took a liking to him. Um, and as we were, yes, it's true. As as uh, as this man was allowed to escape, Ugrami took it upon himself <laughs> to attack several inmates. I believe there was there was something of a riot. Hey, I believe there was. I believe that a report says that a man was shivved 23 times in the neck, which just goes to show people will do anything for love. I'm going to say, but, I mean, I, I point over at under Baron Brock Damaroff. I say that's that's beside the point. I did, you know, um, I did disguise myself as the under Baron uh, over there in order to deceive the authorities and make sure that my... Um, my associate was was uh, taken out of holding. Okay, let's fast forward the storyline. The elves in the Savile Airwood, they say you stole their property, burnt down their tent, apparently ate 23 chicken wings, stole his horse and cart, his carriage, murdered several guards, and did considerable damage to public property. How do you plead to that? Um, on the on the stolen property charge, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit wishy washy there. We had we we had agreed we had agreed to take on uh, to take on a mission to take on a quest from um, Tessarian, who um, and I'm just going to kind of at very... the end of his voice, you hear Maud hiss. She relives her torture at his hand. Uh, I'm going to look over at the witness box, uh, as if to as if to as if to say that I'd 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 not seen him there. Um, but I say so. Yes, we'd we'd taken on this quest from from Tessarian, the the leader of the the Elven people in the Savalier Wood, um, to search for the the orbs of Tartarus, um, which. We've, yeah, we, we found them. Um, we took them back to the elven people. Uh, I'm not sure if that counts as stolen property, but we can put a pin in that. At the very, you know, at, at, at most, I think that, that clarifies as breach of contract, where there was no contract in the first place. Um, we put yes to your to your point. We did we did bring them back to the to the elven people. Um, the 23 chicken wings, I believe it was. Um, I mean, I mean, we'd been in the ruins of Melasmia for several days uh, without a proper meal or, you know, without proper rest during that time. Um, while being hunted by your by your man Stable, uh, Stable Blight, 
he never attempted to make contact with us. He he all he did was fire on us. As he looks over you, he says, "You make a very compelling argument, little man. There are obviously extenuating circumstances in this whole narrative." I think it's a time for us to take some time and deliberate over this. I know the men and women of the jury will need time to think upon what they have heard. So I will ask for a pause of court whilst the jury deliberates. As you see a bit of a <coughs> chit-chat happening between the jurors as they're talking to each other, like cross-checking notes and things like that. In the meantime... I would ask that you stay in incarceration whilst the jurors make their decision. I will give them one hour. As we pan back, Hanash, you're looking down at an empty plate of sausages as you hear the conversation about 2023 chicken wings. Um, you know, Aristobulus' kind of um, commands. Mm-hmm. Well, how, how far away can he do that? Can he do that to the witness? Uh, or not sure. to the jurors? I I have Aristobulus' spells open. The range, the range, sixty feet, sixty feet. Because he has to shout at them, right? It's it has to be a one word, <laughs> one word command there. But honestly, yeah, this is innocent. Is. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I'm thinking. Can we say? Can we command innocent? <laughs> Mistrial. <laughs> yeah. Right. Technically, he can just stand up and attempt to. Um, but does he have to like shout or can he like whisper it like is that distance relative to like how loud it is I think the other person would probably have to hear it <laughs> we can say because because um... the, t- the spell has no effect if the, if it doesn't understand your language so okay. in in my head that kind of means if they if they can't understand it or if they can't hear it yeah so I guess if he whispered it it wouldn't really I mean Lewis isn't here to tell us what the fuck happens with Aristobulus. So for the sake of narrative, if you would like him to attempt to make his way over to the juror's box whilst this is all going on and use magic to attempt to pervert the course of justice, despite the gnome's beautiful testimony to try and get everyone off, we can we can we can attempt that. I'm all about getting people off. We're controlling Aristobulus as a group, so what does everyone else think? Yeah, I think that's. Um, I guess my only worry is like we're only gonna. How many are on a jury? How many what? How many people are on a jury? Twelve, isn't it? Twelve. Yeah. Isn't it? So we're only like convincing one person that they're innocent. Yeah, it wouldn't. Uh, yeah, but a, a jury has to have complete consensus. It can't give a verdict until everyone on a yeah. jury. Yeah, all we need is one. Um, you just need one person to be innocent, even if everyone else said they were guilty, and, and they can't pass him as guilty. They have to carry on. Can, okay. Yeah. Okay. I think. Um, yeah, I think Aristobulus is going to make his way over to um, the. Go on. Or is it like less obvious if he just like shouts it from across the room rather than I don't I feel like they're gonna think like he's doing something sneaky as yeah, 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 whispers yeah. I was gonna say he's, he's he's not making his way over to the juror's box. Like that would be crazy. Um I think he's he's gonna make his way into the crowd um where he where he'll be able to blend in with other people um and then directing his directing his voice over towards uh, a member of the jury that he can pinpoint um, if that's within 60 feet. Okay. Uh, As he makes his way through the crowd, um, Hanash, you see a pained look on his face 
as he makes his way over as you can there's something clearly weighing heavily on his mind as he slowly makes his way around the back of one of the stands of the crowd as the camera pans onto Aristobulus we can see the bead of sweat dripping down his brow as he's like spectral phallus mental manipulation I've only got one shot (laughs) big dicks mental manipulate mental manipulation all right come on stick to your stick to your strengths Aristobulus as uh, he reaches down to stroke his robe of stars looks up makes his way to the edge of the box leans really fucking awkwardly on the edge of the juror's box like a man who is guilty as fucking sin Oh, no, he's no, doing... No, 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 He's doing it from far away. He's just 60 foot away, and he's going, Innocent! As he looks up, he goes, Too much, too much. No, very cool, very <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah. As he waddles his way back, uh, stands, looks around, and just goes, These men are innocent! <laughs> voice. As he looks over, there was a slight intonation on the last word. As you see, the woman in the floral dress, Hanash, the woman who you were looking for, who was wearing a Hawaiian shirt, who's in the juror's box, wearing her floral one-piece outfit, suddenly looks a little bit bemused. A warm look comes over her face, where before she was hostile. As a real kind of peace and subtle look comes across her, as she needs to make... Is it an automatic... Or does she need to make... She needs to make a wisdom saving throw. Um, She needs to make a wisdom saving throw. DC is 13. Let me just get some stats. (laughs) She got 12. As you can see, every single part of her attempting to fight the little mental worm that's burrowing into her psyche, she's like... As she suddenly just, her whole personality just splits as she turns into a warm and welcoming person, whereas before she was a frosty bitch. (laughs) uh, As the judge, uh, as the uh, chief justice uh, cackled uh, Grease says, we will now adjourn this court for one hour whilst the jury deliberates and will come back with their verdict. The prisoners will be taken into holding for one hour and then a Verdict will be given. Court is adjourned as he smacks his hammer heavy on the uh, his gavel, even on the block, and says, uh, "This court is adjourned." As you hear a voice in the witness box say, "Well, thank fuck, I need me a drink." <laughs> as the turtle man stands up with a creak and waddles off down the stairs. I tried to catch his eye as he leaves, but I, I just missed, so I'm just like waving and, and, and no one, no one's on stream. Mm. At this, Tati, Maud, and Belsiar, you are taken uh, back down the stairs and you are taken into a recessed room to one side, which is basically just a meeting room. There's little more than chairs, tables, and several glasses of water. There's two guards are posted on the door, leaving Hanash and Aristobulus inside the chamber with as much fussing around. People stand up to go to the toilet, get refreshments and drinks as there's an hour's abatement to the trial. Hanash, what do you want to do? One last roll of the dice. So, can I see an exit? Can you what? 
Can I see the exit to the door? Yeah, you see people milling out of a door to one side. There are various exits, a bit like a football stadium. There's not one exit, there's many exits. Are, are, are they guarded well, or is it kind of like people going in and freely and no one... Uh, you're just in the visitors section, so it's a public arena. Anyone can turn up. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look to Aristobulus. I was like, should we wait from that side? <laughs> Arist- Aristobulus, Aristobulus is going to say, pub? <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to get to the pub with our stuff. Okay, so as this episode's wind up, our adventurers find themselves in two very distinct camps. (laughs) Aristobulus... Two out of five! (laughs) Aristobulus and Anna find themselves in the Chipped Penny, which uh, is just a standard drinking establishment. Like all football stadiums have a pub directly <laughs> next to them, so does the court, which is basically full of um, hyped-up uh, people who've oh, come to see... Hyped-up dwarven legal types. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Feel like the Wigan Pen. Um, <laughs> you find yourself in Less the pizza, more paralegals, baby. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so that's Hanash and Aristobulus. You two are in there as you both raise a drink to escaping justice. And um, as you look in, you hear a, well, fuck me, as you see Simic come through the doors, having to scoop to get his stovepipe hat underneath the doors. Uh, as you both shrink down at the edge of the bar, drinking your respective cracked mugs of ale. As we pan back to Tatty and Maud and Belsiar, you find yourself sitting round a pretty boring table in a in an open-plan uh, meeting room on the edge of the courtroom with two guards standing by the doors with a carafe of water on the table. Are there any snacks? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at the at the carafe of water with a, a mild look of disgust, uh, and I'm just gonna like sit back in the chair and put my feet up and my my hands at my lap, and I'm just gonna say, I think I think this is it for me, guys. I think if uh, I've I've you know I'm, I managed to take out Skull, um, I think. Um, if, if prison is is what is in store for me, I've I've done as much as I need to do. As long as as long as I can get Barbara out and <laughs> and she's safe with you guys. I I, I thought you'd uh, given yourself up to save us, but Barbara's important too. <laughs> well, I, well, what I'm saying is that I'll I'll take the fall for everyone if it means that. Barbara can get out as well. That's very noble. All right. I hear one of the guards just say, oh, "Such sanctimonious crap." Seriously, I put my, I put. It, it looks almost absent-mindedly, but I put a finger into the into the craft of water, and I and I pull it out, letting a, a, a single drop on the end of my finger uh, for the purposes of perhaps a spell of some kind that I might need. Need it. I for. thought you were going full Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic Park. I thought you were going <laughs> no. like, Imperceivable. <laughs> Tapping the carafe of water. Nobody's particularly affected by this. But as we leave our party in two groups, one currently in municipal justice and one outside of municipal justice, waiting for the hour to tick down, waiting for the jury who have had their minds warped by the perverted 
magician Aristobulus. We will have to wait till next week to see what the jury come back with as we leave our respective parties. Two of them swigging back ales and getting into a drunken state, and the other three sipping on carafe of water whilst um, Belsiar does finger magic to try and entertain everyone and keep their morale up. <laughs> and that is where we will leave this week's episode. It's just AJ again. Thanks so much for joining us this week. We really appreciate you tuning in and spending some time listening to another dollop of fun-packed fantasy fucknuggetry. Look, assuming you've made it this far, why not consider hitting that subscribe button and never missing another episode again? Better yet, give us a five-star review on whatever podcasting platform you're on and help spread the word of our shenanigans far and wide. And good news, we've got a website. So... Why not get your sweet cheeks over to adventurers-anonymous.com where you can find literally a smorgasbord of material from us. So go bathe your eyeballs in that and let us know what you think. Just like Bronte did. Thanks, Bronte. So that just leaves us time to say a huge goodbye from Chris, Chris, Lewis, Matt, Chanel and myself. Give yourself a hearty slap on the back from all of us. And we'll see you next week for more fun-packed fantasy fuck nuggetry. And remember, my friends, stay tipsy. Stay tipsy.